Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a living clean study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Living Clean. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide a commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then our participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions, and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, everyone. This is the Limit Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast. This is episode 53. I'm going to begin on page 185 with stability. But first, we're going to give our introductions. Brian B., what's happening? Jump in, introduce yourself. Hey, y'all, my name is Brian B. My clean date is November 18th, 2019. I attend meetings in southwestern Pennsylvania, and my home group is the Sunday Morning Literature Study. All right, thanks, Brian. What's up, Lisa? Hey, I'm Lisa H. I'm an addict. My clean date is February 25th, 2012. Um, I attend meetings in central western PA. My home group is Monday Night Miracles in Meadville. Thanks, Lisa. What's up, Lee P.? Hey, Douglas Lee Attic uh, from New Orleans, and clean date is this month, next week, 827-87. Um, home group, open mind, hybrid Monday nights. Thanks. Coming up on those birthday cakes. All right. We don't front time, Lee. We don't front time. What's up, Jane? <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Jane A. here uh from salem oregon my clean date is 12 79 and my home group is the thursday noon basic tech study thanks jane how's it going eva hey everybody eva p here um my clean date is 6 10 2000 i do meetings in the salem oregon area and my home group is the do it hard meeting all right thanks Bye. what's up paul Hey, Doug. Uh, I'm Paul M. I'm an addict. Uh, I am in New Orleans, Louisiana. My clean date is January 6, 1995, and I attend the Open Mind Home Group. Thanks, Paul. What's up, Barb? Hi, Douglas. My name is Barbar. I'm from the Panhandle of Florida. My clean date is October 4, 1995, and my home group is the Open Mind. Thanks, Barb. What's up, Jen? Hi, everyone. My name is Jennifer, and I'm an addict. My clean date is November 27th, 1992, and I attend meetings in Sacramento, California. All right, thanks. I'm an addict. Name's Douglas. Got clean March 12, 2000, southwestern PA. I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. All right, folks, here we go. Living Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast, episode 53. We're at the bottom of page 185 with stability, and Jane is going to facilitate. Take it away, Jane. All right, let's get started here. Barbara, you want to read a couple of paragraphs here? Sure, Jane, thank you. Like so many things, this is stability. Like so many things we strive for in recovery, stability is an inside job. The feeling of stability starts from the knowledge that we are okay no matter what happens. It's a sense of security and safety in our own lives. We may believe that this will be a result of achieving goals like getting a house, a partner, a job, or some imagined amount of money. But when fear grips us, it doesn't matter what we have or who we share it with. The security that we seek comes from peace within ourselves, a relationship with a higher power, 
and connection with others. Coming to believe that our life is really ours can take a long time. For some of us, stability begins when we are willing to commit to a fixed address. We may begin with regular attendance at a home group and work our way up from there. Others of us come in with all the trappings of a normal life, but find that trappings are exactly what they are. We may need to break free from the ties that bind us to our old lives before we can be ourselves. Security, predictability, and a feeling of belonging allow us to change without feeling like we're losing ourselves. A member shared, when I was using, I always had a change of clothes in my purse because I never knew where I would wake up. After I got clean, I started picking up more and more furniture until my house was overflowing. Later, I realized I was taking on all this stuff to make sure it was hard to move. I didn't really want more dishes. What I wanted to know, what, what I wanted to know, what, what I wanted was to know I was going to be somewhere for a while. Serenity may be the presence of peace or the absence of chaos. And um, when I came in, I was homeless. I came here, my, my um, son's dad was getting out of prison, came here. Um, and um, so I've, I've had to, um, you know, get that stability, the outside stability I've had to build slowly over years, you know. And um, I like that, like so many things, we, stability is an inside job, it is. The feeling of stability starts from the knowledge that we are okay no matter what happens. And, what, and, and that took a long time. I can remember sitting and being uncomfortable being in my skin, you know, because, you know, they say to get esteem, do esteemable deeds, but all that takes time, staying clean one day at a time you know, and, and slowly somewhere I began to, um, to change, you know, but, um, today I have an unshakable faith. You know, what, what you guys gave me was higher power, you know, and that higher power has evolved and changed, but today, and I can't even tell you what my higher power is. Don't want to, don't want to define it. Don't want to give it characteristics, but, um, I have an unshakable faith today that it's going to be okay, no matter what, you know, and, and the worst thing that I've went through, um, lately is uh my mom dying you know and through that all i knew put one foot in front of another do the next right thing and it's going to be okay this you know this is going to become bearable and i know even in times like that i knew it wasn't going to go away it still hasn't went away but it would become bearable you know because you guys taught me things like time takes time you know and i hated that i wanted to throat punch the old lady that used to tell me that you know when i first heard it but now I know, and that's what I tell myself, Barb, time takes time. Just just get through this one foot in front of another. And, and um, I got that last sentence, serenity may be the presence of peace or the absence of chaos, you know, and that's it. Today, I love peace. And I, you know, I'm a drama queen. I know that through the steps, but guess what? I get out of drama pretty quick. And if you bring drama, you're out pretty quick, you know, because I like peace, you know. And I will do anything to keep my peace today. And I and, and I'm not, I don't stand drama and chaos. So, um, you know, I'm just so glad to have this way to live and that, that it, it truly is an inside job and, and it never ends. I'm on a four step now, very painful. I'm facing some things that, that um, I faced in therapy, that I faced in the steps before, but it's, it's like peeling the layer of an onion. It's a new depth, you know? And I've been angry a couple times, and it's like, this is that fucking four step, you know, but I know once again, time takes time, just get through it. 
And the next day, that's what I love about this program. I'll be angry one day and the next day I'll feel all this love and be so happy, you know, but it won't be that cycle from one to 10 in a millisecond. It'll be, and it's like, oh, this is what it's like to be, have normal feelings and have balance and not be, you know, chaotic. And, and that's pretty cool. I love that today. So I'm grateful to be here. Thanks. Thanks, Barbara. Jennifer? Thanks, Jane. Um, I really enjoyed um, the, the, the first paragraph, but the sentence here about where it says, but when fear grips us, it doesn't matter what we have or who we share it with. And, and you know, I have some outside stability. I've, I've gained that in Narcotics Anonymous by staying clean, you know, and, and getting a little time around here. And there are days where none of that matters, you know, and, and, and just recently, and I'm talking about less than a week ago, um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in my, my, my nice home that I have, um, you know, watching TV and I've literally got afraid and I couldn't like snap myself out of it. Right. And, and that security of like, I have all this stuff. I mean, I went all the way from, I'm have a new job that I'm waiting for. I not good enough. I'm going to walk in and they're going to know that I'm not supposed to have this job, you know? And it's all of that stuff, you know, the, you know, it's, it's, it's my disease, it's addiction, right? It's, it's nothing's ever good enough. And all of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm homeless, right? My kids aren't taken care of. And, you know, it's like all of that stuff. And I guess, you know, when it talks about the security, the next sentence is the security that we seek comes from peace within ourselves, relationship with a higher power and connection with others, right? So one of those things always connects for me, right? I either reach out to somebody and say, man, I've had a weird day, you know, and that's what I did. I talked about my day. I talked about what happened. And that brings me back to this place where I can go, okay, I have a higher power. I'm in care of something bigger than me. I'm not going to fall flat on my face. Never once since I've been clean, have I gone without my needs, a lot of wants that I haven't had. And that's a big difference for me. You know, and I have to remember that what I need and what I want are two different things. And the security that I get can't come from all those things that I want, you know, and that fear that I just talked about will literally take me to a place where I'm living in my car, you know, and I haven't had to live in my car, in my, in my recovery. So, you know, it, it logically, it doesn't make sense, you know, when I think about it logically, but I'm not logical all the time. And that's my truth. I don't, I don't know any human being that's logical all the time. And that connection that I have with either someone else that reconnects me with my higher power and brings me back to this place where I have some security because I have some peace again um, is a really big freedom that Narcotics Anonymous has given me. And, 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 uh, and I'm really grateful for that. Thanks. I'll pass. Thanks, Jennifer. Lisa? Hey, I really relate to um, a lot of what was just shared, um, especially Jen with like that projection of fear. That line stood out to me a lot too, um, because like I can go from having, you know, a nice, comfortable home full of love and a partner and kids and a family and a job to, you know, like the worst catastrophe on the planet in my mind, right? Like I can project all of that fear onto those situations too. Um, and so like the last week, you know, when you said like, even the last few days, like me too, man. Cause like, um, last week I wasn't able to join you guys. I was, um, like sick, sick as a dog from COVID. Right. So like, 
I, I had this attitude, I think, during the pandemic that um, like I was invincible, which I think carries over from like active addiction. You know, I got clean at 21. And I remember like when I was using thinking like, oh, that shit happens to everybody else. It's not going to happen to me. Like, I'm never going to do those things. I'm never going to have those consequences. Um, the shit that's killing people isn't going to kill me until it was. Um, and I, I can still forget that like I'm human and fallible. Um, and when COVID first hit, like I was working, um, like in a line of work that essentially I was a first responder and I still didn't get it. So when I finally came down with it last week, um, you know, it was really miserable and, uh, I was just super exhausted, um, you know, running a high fever, kind of just delusional in my thinking because my body wasn't well. Um, and it's easy for me to forget too, that like my wellness isn't just spiritual. Like my wellness is also physical. I, I forget sometimes to take care of my physical body. Um, you know, and like, I'm really grateful for my health and that I am, you know, in decent shape because otherwise it might've been worse. But for me, like being cooped up, like I didn't go to work. I didn't go to any in-person meetings. Like I tried to do the open minds hybrid meeting and like fell asleep and then like woke up to a text from Doug. And I was like, fuck, it totally slipped my mind. Like I can't keep my shit straight, you know, when I'm this sick and, you know, it led me to create a lot of chaos. Cause I was just kind of sitting with myself doing nothing. And, you know, somebody else shared a little bit ago, I'm being in a fourth step, like I'm in a sixth step. Um, so I had a lot of extra time to be sitting with that and doing more writing than I normally would in a week's time. Um, and that fear was just right out front. Um, and it had me looking at, you know, some very, very stable parts of my life. Um, and for some reason, still wanting to burn them down. You know, um, I was starting arguments with my partner that were totally unnecessary, just running on fear. Um, you know, in that part where it says when that fear grips us, it doesn't matter what we have or who we share it with. It really didn't, you know, there was a period of like two, two and a half days where I was just like, just gripped by fear. Um, and I did feel that sense of like loss of myself because, you know, I'm not built to not be around you guys. I'm not built to not go to meetings or, you know, to do the things that I normally do. It was really difficult for me to lose that sense of stability that comes with that structure and that routine that like I've been taught in Narcotics Anonymous. Like I get up for a reason in the morning and I, I have a morning routine and I do certain things throughout the day. And on certain days I do certain things and, um, you know, it really kind of, shook me at foundation level. And then like, I'm in tears at my home group last night, just so grateful that it's even there because like, thank God I get to come back to it when like two weeks before that, I was just taking everybody's inventory, motherfucking everybody who I didn't think was about shit when they were sharing. And, you know, it's funny how like my experience with my higher power is that like, when I'm all fucked up, God has a way of kind of sitting me down and reminding me like to plug back in and get back to basics. Um, but I think there's still a piece of me that's working on that coming to believe piece um, with like the fact that the life that I have really is mine and I really do deserve it and I can't embrace it and, you know, accept good things. I think I still struggle with that. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Lisa. Brian. Hey, thanks, Jane. And uh, wow, this really, this really struck home to me, especially the part um, in the first paragraph where it starts 
uh, talking about, we believe that the result of achieving goals like getting a house, a partner or a job or some imagined amount of money, um, you know, I, how, how quickly I can think that way and how much value that I can put in to like making sure that I have a nice place to stay or the, the ideal partner or the job. And, um, you know, when it all comes down to it, those are nice things to have, but they're not going to keep me clean. You know, what keeps me clean is the relationship that I have with my higher power and the connection that I have with my sponsor and the foundation, you know, the guys that I count on. And I've really had to been reeled back into that recently, you know, because I started a new relationship with a girl that I love so much. And like, we've had our ups and downs and struggles, man. And like, um, sometimes it can be painful, you know, but I always come back to the fact that, hey, you know, this is what I have in my life today. This is how I'm going to handle it. And I stay clean a day at a time, no matter what happens. That's the stability that I have in my life. Like I can lose any of those things, which would be tough to lose, very tough to lose. But at the end of the day, like I'm a recovering addict and I'm going to stay clean. Like that's the stability that I've come into, you know, in just a little bit under three years of staying clean that I had to learn from the guys ahead of me on the path and the people that carried the message to me. Like I always have to remember that like I'm a recovering addict first and staying clean and Narcotics Anonymous is what made me attractive, you know, to a partner, made me attractive to a company to hire me, you know, made me have the ability to, to get a nice place to stay. Like those are all the rewards, you know, that come along with staying clean. But when it comes down to it, man, like the roof could blow off the house you know, the job could lay me off and, and I could lose whatever, man. But like, you know, I'm clean and I'm, I'm still I'm still recovering, you know, so there's always hope. And like something hit me so powerful this morning, like I was on the way to work and, um, you know, how, how my higher power talks to me is not all the time. But when he does, I really hear it. And the message was like, you know, no matter what happens, never, never break the bond that we have together. And like, I know that wasn't my thinking. That was just the message that I heard. And like, I've been riding that all day. So, you know, I never want to break the bond that I have with my higher power because I know what that feels like, you know, to be clean for a little while, then go back out and use and just be dead spiritually. And it, and it, and it took a long, long time for me to get back into the rooms, you know, so I got to remember, you know, to use is not only to die physically possibly, but as soon as I use my spirit's dead too. You know, so I, that's why I, I keep coming back and keep staying clean. So that's all I wanted to share. Thanks. Thanks. Lee, you want to give me the next couple of paragraphs, please? Absolutely. Thanks, Jane. Many of us have gone through life by default, as if events simply, simply happened to us. Our sense of ourselves was so distorted that we felt like we had no impact on the world. When we understand the first step, we realize that I'm powerless over everything is a cop-out. We are powerless over our addiction and we cannot turn back time. Beyond that, we are amazed at the ability we have to make choices and shape our lives. Our relationship with the world is a reflection of our relationship with ourselves. We are open to new ideas, new ways of thinking, and new ways of seeing what we think we know. <laughs> Trusting people who believe in us allows us to try new things even when they seem frightening and to have faith that the changes we see are real. Our sense of stability within ourselves allows us to take greater risk. 
whether that means being willing to pursue a new career or to put our hearts on the line with someone we love. When we learn to trust that stability, we can let go a little more. We no longer spend our days or nights worrying or wishing that it will all go away. I'm so afraid to show up and grow up that I dream of running away, starting over, leaving it all behind. We fear security because we don't quite trust that we're capable of sustaining it. Staying with the process of our lives without creating upheaval and drama can be a new experience for us. And Jane, I don't know how you knew that, but that was pretty awesome. Um, when we first started it, and I really, I really enjoyed the comments, I remember becoming stable really quick, um, became employable really quick, started making you know really good money really quick. Um, and probably between three and six years, uh, two different times, I just like took dynamite and, and, and just blew my life up. And, and, you know, I didn't think I was recreating at the time. And that was not my intention at the time. In, in retrospect, it was completely based in fear. The wife, the house, the car, her kid, you know, things I thought my whole life, yeah, that's what I wanted. And it turned out it wasn't uh, at all what I wanted. Then, then because of the career path I took, I, I used to have to move a lot. And it said something about connection to others. And, and because of Narcotics Anonymous, I was able to go some, to a strange city, never, a city I'd never been to before, make connections in an A, get grounded, and become stable really, really quickly. And I'm not sure who it was. It may have been Jennifer who just made a comment. I uh, was doing step work with one of the guys on this podcast, matter of fact. And we were talking about that. So since the day I walked into Narcotics Anonymous, every need that I've had has been met every single day. Now, it might have not been my wants, but when I really, when I really stop and let that sink in, and, and, and Barb said it, it becomes an undeniable faith that this process can take a train wreck, hope to die, don't feed, uh, and create this, this human being who's connected and who's loving and who's caring. And, and uh, it says we learn to trust that stability. We can let go a little more. And when I am not in my head with my thoughts or my addiction or my disease or whatever you want to call that, that's when that's when it really gets good. Um, I've had the same thing everybody else had, you know, open my eyes, freight train thoughts, learned how to pray and meditate, slowed the thoughts down, processing through the 12 steps. I heard people talking about being on four steps and pain and the pain of the steps. And the pain of the steps is what creates the freedom, in my opinion. Uh, it's what helps to propel, like Brian was just sharing, the stability of, of the, the things. So I don't know how you knew I needed to talk about that, Jane, but that was pretty awesome. Thanks, love you. Thanks, Lee. It's osmosis. 
Anybody else? Okay, let's start with stability is important. Paul, you want to start us off? Sure, Jane, thanks. Stability is important for us to thrive, but there is a difference between being stable and being stuck. It may be that we stop moving forward because we have arrived at a destination. Of course, we want to enjoy the fruits of our labor, but we run the risk of enjoying that fruit until it rots. When I, get, when I got clean, it was relatively easy for me to make the transition to a normal lifestyle, said one member, but fear of change kept me paralyzed there. We have a hard time distinguishing between a niche and a ditch. There are some signs that help us to distinguish serenity from complacency. When we get judgmental, ungrateful, and agitated, we're probably on the wrong side of that line. When interacting with others starts to seem exhausting or burdensome, or we forget that we are important to others, we might be slipping back into self-obsession. When we're feeling apathetic and ungrateful, we say we're bored. Boredom usually means we can't see past ourselves. We get lost in pettiness and illusion. The world is as boring or as exciting as we make it. A member shared, when one day starts to run into another, it's usually because I'm not living my beliefs. When we revert to old behavior, we need to get back to basics. Clean time does not exempt us from getting stuck. Sometimes a new perspective on our lives requires a new look at the steps. We may find that a better attitude is really all we need, or it may be time to make some changes in our lives. Well, right on for me. Um, so I, I was the uh, thing Lee was talking about. I'm the sponsor. We went over my 11th step yesterday. And um, part of my 11th step, although I didn't re realize it, at the time was a conversation I had with my boss about my job. And um, I had I had got in the previous thing, it was says we are open to new ideas, new ways of thinking and new ways of seeing what we think we know. Right. Everything I know is subject to revision, especially what I know about the truth, it says in the basic text. So I knew going into that conversation that uh, my job wasn't happy with me. Um, I'm not uh, as valued an employee as I thought I was. Um, they suck. They're not doing it right. Uh, it's probably time for me to quit. I don't know. I've been there too long. It's not what I want to do anymore. Blah, blah, blah. All of that. And uh, I, it was the truth. It was, it sounded real in my head. It sounded like it was real. And I sat down for two and a half hours with my boss and none of it was real. None of it. And I had been in that space for a good two or three months. All internal. They suck. I suck. I, it's not, you know, all of it's bad, 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 bad. Never good, always bad, right? Left to my own devices, like Jennifer said, and Lisa said, you always make it the worst. And, um, and none of it was true. So, okay, so we've cleared that up. What are the other things in my life that are not true? That are parading as truth in my head? 
I don't know. I'm unlovable. I'm not worthy. I'm not, I don't have purpose. I don't, whatever those things are, you know what I mean? For me, some of those come up pretty regularly when I'm working steps and, and stuff like that. And it's gotten better over time. I don't want anybody who's listening, who's new going, well, why the fuck stay clean if that's still coming up? But it's, you know what I mean? This is a process. The good news is I haven't thought about shooting dope in 27 years, which is a big relief. Thank God. But there's all kinds of other things to work on. And this, these two, um, these two paragraphs talking about boredom and that boredom is our choice. Listen, if you're like me, I am the victim here. You know what I mean? It, boredom is happening to me, not by me. As is most of the stuff that goes on in my life. It's happening to me. This says, okay, nothing of this is happening to you. All of this is a choice, Paul. You get to decide how this is going to turn out. How do you want to look at the world? Ah. <sighs> And I don't want to live in that head. And the good news is, after a two and a half hour conversation, everything has changed. And nothing has changed except my perspective. I am still the valuable employee. I am still, I am still Paul in all his essence. I am still authentic. I am still who I am. And nothing has changed except my perspective. Just for today, through NA, I will try to get a better perspective on my life. That is worth the price of admission. That's the worth that money you put in the basket. That's worth all of that stuff because, you know, the, the, the couple of hours I spend with my sponsor, the writing in my notebook, all of these processes that lead to that serenity that goes, oh, I'm okay right where I'm at. I'm okay doing exactly what I'm doing. I have value. I am lovable. All of that. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Jennifer? I'm pretty sure they wrote this section for me um, right here, right now, in this, you know, part of my life. Um, I, I really, I just, this whole, so far, just everything's kind of hit me in the gut and just was been, has been a big reminder um, about where I am, you know, where I came from and where I am today. And and it says, you know, when I got clean, it was relatively easy for me to make the transition to a normal lifestyle. I don't know if that's 100% true for me. Um, you know, I was in this weird place of, of the crossover between being an, a kid and an adult. And so I thought I was doing adult things that adults did, but I didn't have any idea how to do them. So my transition in the beginning was really bumpy for me. But once I got there, it was like this normal kind of I don't really love the word normal because I don't ever feel like normal. I don't even think like normies are normal. So, um, but, you know, I, I did transition into a lifestyle that didn't, you know, like I, you know, I, I came out in the daytime, right? Like I, I usually was out in the nighttime where people couldn't see me, you know? And, and so I, I got this lifestyle where I got all the things that I thought you were supposed to do, you know, and it talks about, but fear of change kept me paralyzed there, you know, right? And, and I've experienced that with, you know, decades clean of if I change this, if I take this normal lifestyle that I've created and I change it, everything's going to fall apart and the world is going to end, right? Because I'm an extremist in my thinking. And, and that fear kept me paralyzed and in a place where 
I couldn't make any choices because that was the decision that I made, right? My choices weren't taken away from me. I took my choices away. And, and, and clean time does not exempt us from getting stuck. A fucking men, because if it meant that I couldn't get stuck, I probably think about using dope again, right? Like seriously, I, the board, well, we're, I'm talking about boredom and, uh, and then I'll pass. I've been unemployed hypothetically for 10 days, 10 days. I, I'm starting a job on August 29th and I don't know what to do with myself. I am either eating excessively. Uh, I'm on Amazon. I, my meditation and prayer game is off point because I have all day. I have all day to do nothing. So I do nothing. And then I feel bad. And then I eat and then I yell at my kids because they're annoying me because God forbid they act like teenagers in my house. Um, you know, and there's these little things that kind of keep creeping up and, and, and I've gotten stuck more times than I care to admit. But the new perspective for me is I know, I know I, I keep talking about, like, I don't know how to be unemployed. I really don't know how to be unemployed. Like this is a dream that I used to have when I was getting loaded. If I could just be unemployed and get loaded for the rest of my life, everything would be okay. And that's not the dream that I have today. But 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 having clean time um, does not exempt A, me thinking, having disease thinking or being stuck in that disease thinking. And 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 you're right, like Paul said, like I haven't thought about getting loaded. I haven't thought about you know, anything that would, you know, mood or mind altering stuff. Well, I mean, unless you consider sugar that, which I guess sometimes I do, but I haven't thought about using drugs. Yeah. I haven't thought about using drugs. And, and I see, you know, last night I was like shopping online at like 10 o'clock. I don't need anything. And I thought to myself, it's probably just an appropriate use of my time or my money since I'm unemployed for the next two weeks. Um, and I hit, you know, check out. And so like, I see it and I acknowledge it and I understand um, what I need to do. And so like today, like I kind of made some plans for myself and I made a lunch plan and I made a breakfast plan and, and, and um, with some people so that I could surround myself with some, with some love and some support and some um, activities outside of sitting in a chair and binge watching and eating and shopping. And, and I've had a great day, you know, and, 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 and I'm so I'm so grateful that that having clean time does not require me to be perfect because, um, you know, I used that used to be my desired effect in life. And today I'm so grateful that that is not <clears throat> what I have to be. You know, um, I have a better attitude today. Shocking when I do a little bit of, you know, self-care outside of, um, you know, you know, the trifecta that we have, uh, I, I feel pretty good. And um you know, I know that like everything's, you know, uh, you know, Douglas reminds me of this often, like everything's already okay, right? It's not going to be okay. Everything's already okay. When I can shift my perspective to that place, I get back to being a grateful addict. So with that, I'm going to pass things. Truth told, truth told. Doug. All right. Thanks, Jane. Um, all right, make a couple comments here. Um, really, what what we'll, we're going to jump into the next subheading, getting out of our own way here in a, here in a little while, and that talks about perception a lot and, and changing our frame of mind and stuff. But but what Paul was hitting on 
um, the the better attitude piece and, and, and stuff. I want to say this to the listeners, man. It, it like I I got clean and everything was hostile inside. It just was, man. It's like I, I look at the world as hostile. Uh, you know, family conversations were that way, you know, my surrounding, and, and I brought that in, like, that just doesn't stop, you know, the day I got clean, like, I, br- I brought that in, and if you, and if you're clean, and you're still experiencing that, like, that, that, that dialogue that you have, like, within yourself, with other people, you know, c- kind of having those conversations, everything's hostile, stay clean long enough to allow the steps, the higher power, your sponsor, all that stuff to kind of penetrate your spirit, because, man, I don't look at the world as a hostile place now, just don't. I'm free of that, man. Like I can, I, I really, you know, and we, we different levels of, of work that gets put in, but, I, and then I also wanted to make two other comments on the text. Uh, page 185, the stability, it all starts with here, man. It sums it up right off, right from the jump. It says, look, you know, it starts with the knowledge that it says we're okay, no matter what happens, which means my recovery is not fragile. Page 185, man, if it, it, it I think we need to highlight that, underline it. I got stars next to it. We're okay no matter what happens, which means my recovery is not fucking fragile. It just is, and I find a lot of freedom in that. And then if we turn to page 186, I have written in my margins, not true. Like I take, I take issue with this statement. So if anybody wants to add some context with, with this statement, it says this, our relationship with the world is a reflection of our relationship with ourselves. It don't sit right with me. I don't agree with that. There, there's there, there, my relationship with the world. Sometimes I, I'll sit around and I'll look at some parts of this world and be like, what the fuck? How is that? You know, what feels so, so disjointed from, from a lot of parts of the world, but I feel at peace with me. I really do, man. Like I, 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 I just feel, I feel like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm cared for by a loving higher power. So I don't, I don't know, man. I didn't, um, I know we didn't comment on that, on that line too much. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at that at that wrong. But those are the comments that I that I wanted to make. I'll pass. Thanks, Douglas. Anyone else? Okay. Well, just a couple of comments. But, uh, lots of good comments already. But I just uh, wanted to kind of say, do a shout out to anybody that's listening out there, and, and if you like me. Stability was not high on my list of things that I wanted when I got here. I was more into the Ferrari and Harley Davidson and a tall cowboy in tight blue jeans. But uh, what I've come to in really cherish is the serenity in my life and the ability to walk through things without moving to Arizona or getting loaded. Um, I'm still holding out on the cowboy, but the rest of that stuff, it's okay if I don't have it. So let's move on here to more serious thoughts. Anyway, Eva, you want to finish up this section? Sure. We are able to recognize our responsibility for our actions and motives more often and sooner in the process. Identifying what drives us helps us to find relief from all the ways the disease shows up in our lives. It also gives us the ability to move forward what we want and not just away from what we fear. We are free to create a life that we value. When we are collaborating with our higher power, action and surrender go hand in hand. 
We can spend a lot of time trying to convince our higher power how things should go. Each, each of us have has had experience in trying to will something into being and finding the most bizarre obstacles arise until we finally understand that the best thing we can do is to let it go. On the other hand, sometimes we challenge or commit, sometimes a challenge or commitment just seems placing itself before us. No matter how hard we try not to do it, it just seems unavoidable. When we surrender and try, we are astounded at what we can accomplish. The more completely we surrender, the more we are able to follow through with on our commitments and shine. Thanks for letting me read that, Jane. I highlighted the first line in that we are when uh, we are able to recognize our responsibility for our action, our uh, motives more on more often and sooner in the process. And my sponsor always says, "I'm so proud of you for seeing that sooner in the process." because I'm really slow at it. <laughs> so, um, you know, I uh, I don't wanna say I took a year off of recovery, but for a year, it was really hard for me to process after I had COVID and write and, um, and be able to work through, you know, some of the stuff. And I'm used to having like, my sponsor says, if you're bored, then you don't have your step work in your hand. <laughs> So, and if, and if I'm bored, it's my fault because I should be writing on some steps, right? Like, well, I can give you something to do. Kind of like my mom used to say to me when I was like, I'm bored. She's like, oh, well, there's some, the oven needs cleaning or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the worst chore is. Like, not that I hate doing my step work, but she's like, there's always another step you can write on, you know? So, um, you know, recently I just processed a ninth step with my sponsor and have been doing those amends and and um, I like to say that I don't have ninth step and that it's sooner in the process, uh, you know, because I have 10th step, right? Like I should be like not having these big, long written amends. But you know what? I was really proud of myself. There was four on this one instead of 40 or 14, right? Like four big major, like write, call the people, try to make, you know, and not everybody was welcome to it. It was weird, like for the first time in my recovery. And, you know, these are like some bizarre, some bizarre obstacles. And it talks about that later, you know, like, I think it's like, come on, God, this is like my recovery and I'm trying to make amends. Like this should be working out. And these bizarre obstacles keep showing up. And I'm like, okay, I just read it. Like I need to let it go. Like, um, anyway, I know just weird things like that. Um, also with service work. Um, commitments, like I told my husband, I wasn't going to do any area service this time. And people just kept asking. And, and then I'm like, it just kept unfolding that I have this service commitment, a, a different one. And um, what I was processing through all that, I realized that it's the one thing every month that I, like, if I can't do anything else, because of my mental health or whatever, I know that how important it is for me to make it to area. And I haven't really used, used my mental health or been able to not leave the house because that commitment is so important to me. So of course my higher power wants me to have a position at the area level because it saves my life every month, even when it's dragged out for hours. 
not for four hours, but four hours, you know, and um, what I know is I'm grateful for that. I get to learn so much on uh, acceptance and, and love. And, and so I'm going to just say one more thing, and this is about what Doug was saying. And I don't think that the reflection of the world and myself uh, is about when I'm in a good space. I think it's when I'm in a bad space that um, how I treat the world and how I judge people and things like that. Um, where was that at? It was about fitting in our relationship with the world is a reflection of the relationship with ourselves. And I think sometimes when I feel on the outside of the world, it's because I'm on the outside of taking care of my own self, not when I'm feeling right. And yes, I don't believe in everything great that goes on with the world, but I think that when I'm, when I'm not in a good place with myself, then it shows up with my, with my relationships with the world. And I, I don't know about all, all big spaces in the world. When I think about relationships in my world, I think about these ones, like these squares, like the Hollywood squares and the, yep, all these people and the people in my household, their relationship with my children. You know, if I'm not in a good place with myself, it shows up in those relationships on a regular basis. You know what I mean? My spouse bless his heart. Yeah. So that's just my perspective on it. That's all I got. Thanks. Thanks, Eva. Lisa. Eva, I'm a slow addict too. Um, I totally understand. I learned from that difficult experience. Um, and I, you know, one of my first sponsors used to tell me if you're bored, it's because you're boring. Um, and she wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. It was because I like to sit in my own shit, you know, is what she was kind of pointing at. Um, <clears throat> but I wanted to come back to that piece, too, about the relationship with the world being a reflection of our relationship with ourselves, um, because right across from that at the bottom of 187, um, I have highlighted there are some signs that help us to distinguish serenity from complacency. When we get judgmental, ungrateful and agitated, we're probably on the wrong side of that line when interacting with others starts to seem exhausting or burdensome, or we forget that we are important to others, we might be slipping back into self-obsession. Um, you know, I know that for me, like when I'm in a good place, um, it's very easy for me to deal with the rest of the world, right? I can just let everyone and everything else kind of be where they're at. Um, and last week, that was kind of a small part of my upset was, you know, I was approached by like a small handful of people who I don't know if they all like got together on the full moon and were like, Hey, let's call Lisa and fuck her day up. But you know, some people kind of came at me like taking my inventory kind of stuff. Right. And it was people who like, normally I probably wouldn't like, it would have been a different conversation had I not been sick and exhausted. And I think maybe like my higher power knew what he was doing there because you know, I just kind of took it on the chin. I said, Hey, you know what, man, I'll look at it. You know, like what's the, what's the compromise and the solution here, but internally, you know, I was still very like judgmental, like you fucking entitled self-centered, like piece of shit, little bitch. Like, I don't want to hear your shit. Like I was just like motherfucking these people in my head. Um, and you know, I think, like looking at this makes me realize that there are probably still some places, you know, like Jen was sharing earlier about um, like clean time doesn't exempt us from being stuck, 
you know, I think that shows me that there are still places where I'm still stuck. Cause I relate to that, you know, like that being judgmental, ungrateful, agitated, um, you know, like looking to be offended kind of attitude, because maybe like there is a place in my recovery where I've been spinning tires too. Um, so like typically when I'm unhappy or like, I'm feeling unspiritual at some place with myself, that's when I have difficulty, you know, interacting with the rest of the world, because I think it, it sort of relates for me back to like when I first got clean and I did that whole thing of like, oh, I don't trust women. Right. Um, they're all, you know, backstabbing bitches. They're just out here to like, you know, screw you over and steal your man and all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, I came to realize through primarily through sponsorship was that like, I had these like really, um, fractured relationships with women because I didn't trust myself. Right. Like I assumed that because I, as a woman, I was like that. I assumed that they were all like that too. Right. And I learned through experience and, and trust and love and NA that not everybody's like that. And I was only like that because I was using, and I was in a sick place, you know, and recovery has pulled me out of that. But I think like when I'm in that shitty place with myself now, um, I just assume that the rest of the world is, is thinking and feeling the same way that I am. So like by proxy, the rest of the world is just a shitty place too. Um, but, you know, kind of back to what Paul said too, like I can hold on to that for two or three months at a time and then wake up one day and realize that none of that is reality. You know, I've created all this stuff in my own head. Um, you know, and I think that that's a cue for me. Like when I start doing that, that like, I need to, um, look at that and make some change and, and surrender a little bit more deeply in my process. But with that, I'll pass. Hey, Barbara. Hey, Jane. <laughs> I like, uh, like Eva said, that first paragraph, it also gives us the ability. Well, it's, let's see, it says, um, if we are able to recognize responsibility for our actions and motives more often and sooner in the process, identifying what drives us helps us to find relief from all the ways the disease shows up in our lives. It also gives us the ability to move toward what we want and just not, um, just not just away from what we fear. You know, I've, I've talked a lot of times about my son and how I almost ruined the relationship through my out of control, control freak shit and, and dominating and, and um, overbearing and and um, sometimes you know you guys were talking about that negative sometimes it'll it'll be in my head you're never going to mend this relationship you know you've done too much damage but what I've done is is you guys have taught me I've kept doing the work I work on me you get better and I keep working on me and I keep trusting the process and moving forward and my son called me the other night we hung out on the phone for like an hour and I was able by, by, I work on me, you get better, keep the focus on me. I was able to listen, to listen, imagine that. And I was able to um, accept him for who he is, where he's at, no matter how I feel about it. He's a Republican, I'm a Democrat. I was able, instead of bashing heads, I was able to find the commonality, to bring it to what we agree on, you know, and all that I learned here. You know, and to and then I got that hope. It's like, yeah, this will get better if I keep working on me. You will get better, you know, and um, that that and if I don't pay attention, I don't see that shit, you know. So I got to pay attention to me, not you, to me. And anytime I'm taking, I'm paying attention to you. I need to get the focus back on me. I need to pay attention that I'm paying attention to you, you know. And um, 
then you guys were talking about flipping the script, you know, and I, I think I talked about this old dog I got that's got vestibular syndrome, old dog syndrome, the head's cocked, he goes in circles, they're not in pain or anything, but it's been horrible and he's 14 and a half, so this is the third week. I've had to actually carry this dog to go to the bathroom and stuff, he's 25 pounds. But, you know, I was I was like, oh, my God, I clean two houses. I got to come home and feed me and feed everybody else and take a shower and pour me. And my sponsor said, you know, I said something about I got to take care of Bruiser. My sponsor said, you get to take care of Bruiser. And just by saying that, that's lasted with me for the whole week. It's like, yeah, I get to take care of Bruiser. And it's flipping that switch, just that little bit, that different wording, that different attitude that I get to. It's such a privilege to be able to take care of a sentient being that's 14 and a half years old. And I get to be a value and not be a leech, you know, and care about something. And this one, it said, um, we spend, a, we can spend a lot of time trying to convince our higher power how things should go. I don't do that no more. I got a clue that I don't got a clue. I know that HP is going to be way better than what I could ever imagine and that I don't fucking know. And I need to get the shit, get out of the way, shut the fuck up, as Paul says, is a spiritual principle and let HP be in charge. Do all the footwork, then get out of the fucking way, Barb, and let HP step in and watch, watch the journey, you know, watch it unfold. Like Franz Kopta said, you know, the world will unfold, but not if I'm running the show. You know, so that's what I've learned. I don't, I don't try to, you know, run the show anymore. So I'm grateful to be here, and I'm so grateful to have this way to live. It's, it's like awesome. Thanks. So I've written that down, Barbara. It's a new spiritual principle I wasn't aware of. Shut the fuck up. I love it. It's so apropos. Great job. Okay, Brian. Hey, Brian. You want to read the first couple of paragraphs? Take us out. Sure, Jane. Thanks. Right now, I get to have two kittens that keep stealing my pen and chewing on the corner of my book. So, but uh, getting out on a getting out of our own way. So much of our experience is a result of our perception. We may feel very grounded, even though the outside circumstances of our lives are in flux. There are also time, times when everything looks fine, but we feel like we're coming undone. We can come through letdowns and redirections and see that we are still succeeding and progressing in our lives. Or we can feel like a failure even when everything is actually going along just fine. Perhaps what we perceive as good or bad is simply an event. We make it good or bad by our attitude toward it and our response to it. We can turn a simple setback into a drama that lasts forever and is everyone else's fault. We get through difficulty much more quickly if we simply accept it and keep moving. Letting go gets easier when we learn not to hold on so tightly. It may be that the sky is not the limit for us. There may be limitations set by our lives or circumstances that make some of our choices for us. More often we are held back by barriers we put in our own way. We get so accustomed to thinking of ourselves in particular ways that it's hard to imagine otherwise. We can be brutal to ourselves. Giving ourselves a break is one of the most important skills we gain in recovery. And it is critical to our ability to change. It's hard to learn something new if we can't allow ourselves to be imperfect. Our shortcomings and defects keep us from being able to act 
in our own best interest. Some of the hardest things to get free of may be our own beliefs about ourselves and our limitations. And man, I've, I've been through the struggle with this many, many times. And, uh, you know, one particular instance is like um, about five, five months ago, I started a new job. And for some reason, despite my best efforts, like the things were foreign to me that I was being taught. And I just wasn't grabbing a hold of it as quickly as my mind was telling me that I should. And right away here, my disease started talking to me like the reason that you're not learning this is because um, you must have killed too many brain cells. You must have smoked too many of them, you know, or that brown weed back in the day, you know, took too many of those pills and something just ain't lining up right. You know what I mean? But really, that's not the case. Really, what the case is that like, I need to buckle down and put some more effort into what I'm trying to learn. And, uh, you know, it's been a process, you know, but um, like the more, the more effort that I put into something, you know, whether it's recovery or my job or relationship, you know, the, the better the results are. You know, if I get the fuckets and just say, fuck it, it ain't never going to get any better. You know, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm worthless or like Paul said, you know, I'm, I'm not lovable. You know, all of that is just disease thinking, you know, when really on the other side, like I am capable, you know, of setting my mind to something and getting the job done. You know, um, I, I can be a good boyfriend. I can be a good, you know, member of my family. I can't help the newcomer, you know, things like that. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's just all, all comes down to like, what am I feeding myself? You know, am I telling myself positive things or do I keep putting negative thoughts into my head? You know, because left to my own thinking, I'm in trouble, you know, but if there's guys feeding me and, and, and bringing me along, you know, it tends to work itself out. So good stuff for tonight. Thanks. Okay, Douglas. All right, thanks. And Brian, I love hearing what Brian has to talk about. Look, we, we're both from Southwestern PA 25 years ago. Not to be in, you know, not, 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 not to go down that rabbit hole, but there was this big fucking thing of Mexican brickweed that hit southwestern Pennsylvania 25 years ago. And it's a wonder any of us are still alive. That shit, I'm not sure what, what was in there, but that, that's good. That's good. Uh, look, I want to make a couple of comments here, man. It, it, it is, uh, it's really cool. Um, uh, we perceive things in, in good, bad, or, or whatever. There was a man in my life for about a year. Uh, you know, recently, and he, I, he was like a fucking wall, man. I just looked at him as a fucking wall. Everything I wanted to do, it, it was like in a, in a, the, in my professional life, he'd fucking put up resistance and say no and put up resistance and say no. And I'm the, and I'm bitching to probably bitching to Paul one day about it, you know, and, and about this. And he's like, maybe he's not a wall. Maybe he's a door. Take a step back. Maybe instead of a wall, he, he's a doorway. And don't you know me when I stop, when I stop motherfucking this guy and, and looking at him as that HP kind of works things out, man, to, 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 and so, and so I share that if someone's listening and saying, you know, those walls that you have in your life, maybe let's, let's take a step back and start looking at them as, as doorways. It was powerful for me. It was just a really cool way to, to, to kind of navigate that. And the last thing that I, I'll say, um, and Jane, I'll kick it back to you so, so you can run us out is, is this. It's like that letting go gets easier. Old timers told, told, told us, wear it like a loose coat. Just wear it like a loose coat, man. When these things in my life aren't serving me well, take the fucking thing off. 
you know, when they are servant, wear it. When they're not, wear it out. And 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 and, it, and we all know the adage about like how the trappers would would catch monkeys. But for anyone listening who doesn't know that, the story goes, it, it's like, look, they're, they're, these trappers to catch these monkeys would would have this box or jar or whatever attached to a tree. The hole's big enough that they can put a little piece of fruit in there. The hole they can get their hand if they if they have their hand open, they can get it in there. But once they grab onto that fruit and close it, they can't get their fist out. They'll fucking grab on so tight. That's like every character defect that gives me pleasure. Honest to God, man, I'll fuck. I'll hold on to it so tight. I know pain's coming. I know I'm fucked. But man, I can't let it go. And they can just walk up there, whoosh, and that's it. And what's a, what? And, and what the? What's the key? Well, fucking let it go. Open my hand. Let it go. You know, and and, uh, and 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 it's wild, man. How how it has to take so many cycles for me to understand and and have that desire to just, you know what, man, fuck holding on to it. Let me let it go today. You know, so so RJ, right, kick it back to you. Thanks, folks. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for all the good words of wisdom tonight. I appreciate it. I, I want to like just end this with a, a little quick thing. I was thinking when we were talking about stability and such. And uh, in the, I hear a lot of from people in the jails, recycling through the jails over and over again. And quite often the word that is used on why they stopped going to meetings and stopped doing stuff is because they were got bored. They got bored. And uh, my sponsor always told me that serenity in the beginning is quite often disguised as boredom. Quite often I'm so unused to serenity and so used to chaos. I uh, think of it as boredom. So just my two cents. Thanks, everybody. I think that's going to wrap us up for this evening. Take her home, Doug. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so.